Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. This episode of Concerts That Made Us, I'm chatting with Rob and Becky from Dystopica. Dystopica are a heavy metal band from Connecticut. They have a very distinct sound blending hard rock, heavy metal, trash metal and progressive metal. I think you're going to enjoy this one. But before we get listening to one of their tracks, I just want to let you know, if you want the latest episode and massive discounts on merch directly to your inbox make sure you sign up for the concerts that made us newsletter the link will be in the description of the episode so without further ado let's get on with the show
Becky, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. I feel like we're going to have a really interesting chat about your music now. Thank you. And I know I must tell the listeners that Rob will be joining us at some stage. So if they start to hear another male voice, don't get too worried. It's just Rob after joining the interview. So we just opened the episode with your song Seasons. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah. um, So that song, I actually um, thought of a while before writing it. And uh, yeah, it's basically about uh, searching for peace in the midst of chaos, which I think is really relevant to what's going on today. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, in a post-COVID world, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we'll, uh, we'll give the listeners a sense of you with regards to music, where you came from, how you uh, became a musician. Can you remember your earliest musical memory? Like, uh, that's hard to say. I've been, you know, listening to music, obviously, my whole life. Um, listening to metal music my whole life. Um, I started singing when I was like 10. I started taking voice lessons. So I've, I've always uh, been, you know, in doing music. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned you took voice lessons. I yeah. take it they were very conventional voice lessons that weren't kind of influenced by heavy metal or stuff like that how do you think no. your uh, your your voice coach would feel about you being in a metal band and well, singing that I'm actually yeah I'm uh classically trained and uh I still um I'm actually a music major and I uh my I don't know uh, my voice teachers uh I don't they know about it like the metal music but I don't think they uh I don't know how they feel. <laughs> I don't know how much they heard. <laughs> uh, Rob has just joined us now as well. Rob, you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Hi, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to have you. So I was just asking Becky, can she remember her very first musical memory? Oh, my very first musical memory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. We're going to have to go way back there. Let's see. I think the very first musical thing that I did probably was my parents used to play a lot of classical music when I was growing up. And so I remember listening to, let's see, it was the Ina Klein and Ock music, you know, from Mozart. Oh, yeah. So I remember listening to that as a kid and conducting the radio, basically. And that was... That was my, my earliest memory. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting choice. So classical music, being a, a hard rock metal musician, how do you think the classical music kind of influenced you or uh, led you towards metal? Oh, my gosh. I can kind of almost sum it up in one word. Ingve. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's all it took, really, is... <laughs> Once I found out that this is like that Ingve Malmsteen was a fellow who plays pretty much everything classically, you know, including the way he plays guitar, he plays in classical position. I do too. Mm. Uh, I found out it's actually better that way because it's uh, it gives me more access to the frets, and the other position is just a little awkward for the hands, so it kind of doesn't really. It's not very ergonomic, mm. but um, but but yeah, honestly, I've heard. Classical reference after classical reference in mu- in heavy metal music almost constantly. Uh, I can give two, uh, one very obvious example and one hidden example. The very obvious example would be in at the end of Necrophagus, only Ash Remains, is uh, he suddenly breaks out into Prokofiev's, uh, I forgot, it's called the Montagues and the Capulets, and it's from Romeo and Juliet. Mm. So that's one. And then the less obvious one is, I forgot what song it is, but it's by Immortal, and he randomly throws in the Imperial March. Right, right. I forgot which one it is, but I think it's off It's off of Battles in the North. So ah, I see, I see. And growing up, was there a certain point in your lives where something or somebody influenced you and you thought to yourself, 
I want to be like them. I want to be a musician. This is what my life is going to be. Um, well, for me, uh, growing up, I mean, I, my mom loves Pat Benatar. So at a young age, she'd show me like, you know, different 80s, like metal and rock. And um, I was very influenced by Pat Benatar, I'd say. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a great influence to have. She is one of the legends of rock music. Yes. I would say in, in my case that um, it was it was kind of interesting. I think that, you know, after having gone to concerts and seen concerts as a kid and uh, when I was in elementary school, um, we, there's a uh, where I live, we have a local Philharmonic um, they come to the schools quite often and they show off their instruments to the kids and they they play for us. And uh, I even remember meeting uh, our uh, the conductor who sadly passed away a couple a uh, couple years ago. But um, I remember meeting him as a kid. And, you know, I think it was just I think a lot of it was the fact that all, all of the music teachers in this particular area, they all seem kind of interconnected. So because of that, because of that community. Uh, there was a huge influence in me eventually picking up another instrument, my main, my, which became my main instrument, the French horn. I picked that, I picked that up in fifth grade, and but early on there was always something musical going on, you know, in in this area in particular around that time. And yeah. then, and then it, and then in high school, that was when it got very serious because, you know, that was another music teacher who, even at a private school, she knew all of the local teachers in the area. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just that kind, it's just that kind of thing where everybody where everybody knows each other, and if you gravitate towards it, you kind of get pulled into the into the the fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. Jeez, you guys are really lucky. It seems like you grew up in an area that really nurtures music with kids growing up. You know, there's a lot of places, even where I'm from, you know, we had, I've said it before on the podcast, but we had music lessons in school, but it was like a tin whistle or like a, a flute or something like that. And like, it was like almost like the teacher didn't even really want to be there. You know, there was no sort of nurturing music with the kids to get them into music and maybe grow up and be musicians. Then obviously in, in uh, secondary school or high school, you'd kind of see rock stars on the TV and be like, oh, I want to be like them. You pick up a guitar, form bands with your friends. When you guys were in high school then, was it a case of that? I know you had the classical training and all, but were you forming bands with other high school students? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a band in high school. Um, we did like, oh, I was in a band for like like five years or something, like through high school and then like a year after touring and like you know doing local shows and stuff mostly yeah. just cover music though we never really did our own music that's where I did this <laughs> <laughs> so in high school I was kind of insulated I was in a instead of being in the public schools where most of my peers were uh you know I kind of uh I went to a private school but a lot of but once I started I kind of picked up guitar after I'd gone to a summer camp and seen a kid playing a BC Rich Warlock and I was oh, like nice. that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> so I went so after I picked it up then the school that I went to though was a um it was like a it was a, a Baptist Christian school and a lot of their a lot of their music is um it ranges anywhere from like really old hymns from way back when hmm. to uh, to more modern contemporary style of music. And a lot of the kids in that school, a lot of them played guitar. A lot of them played mostly acoustic, too. So a lot hmm. of so so a lot. So I used to kind of um, after school, I used to hang out. We used to kind of play, play with each other. You know, we used to kind of uh if we were on retreats or any of these kinds of kinds of extracurricular things they'd bring their they'd bring their guitars and we'd play with each other you know mm. um that was kind of really about it though a lot and then you know also as you say in the boy scouts a lot of my uh a lot of my pals in there were also in 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 bands they were they were in local they were in more in local bands because they were they actually went to the public schools so they actually yeah. knew a lot more people and so they they had already played out a bunch, and so they they're that's another group of folks that 
uh, used to bring their guitars to camp or whatever, and we would sit by the fire and play, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. Sounds, uh, it's like, that's like a typical American thing from a, a European's point of view, you know, sitting around a campfire with the guitar, having a, a good old sing song. It seems almost, uh, I don't know, over here, we wouldn't really get to do that too often because we have quite bad weather and you know even in the summer you might have like maybe a week of good weather and you'd go out camping but the whole campsite sitting around the fire singing it it's kind of a, a real american stereotype you know what i mean yeah i'd say so and uh, but i i also think it's kind of uh it's it's also pretty it's pretty cool in a way too because it kind of stresses the communal experience that music is at least in from my point of view uh, in the state in the states i've noticed that the most successful musicians come out of a community mm. so if there's a communal experience that fosters that then you kind of you know you get that that development out of it so i think th th i think that was i think i would say that was definitely a huge part of of my musical training even though it was kind of even though i probably hadn't noticed it at the time <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, you touched on something there. That is a really major part of music, especially growing up, the community part of it, you know, and even even for bands that are established, I feel like they should still be part of a community. And once you get successful, you bring others with you, you know. Yeah, but um, we'll flash forward. And how did you guys get together and start doing music together? So. I formed the band like in 2019 originally, um, but I met Rob in 2020 and asked him if he wanted to play guitar on it. And yeah, I, we met in college. Yeah, we went to the same school. We went to uh, Western Connecticut State University. I was going there actually for my, uh, I, I had already been teaching Spanish for a little bit. That was my, my certificate my current teaching certification and I wanted a different one I wanted one in music because I found that after teaching Spanish for a while I was actually starting to get kind of uh I was starting to I was starting to feel like you know what I don't think this is really me you know and then I yeah. I, I saw I saw that music was definitely more me <laughs> especially after student teaching after that I was like that was definitely a lot more fun than I had when I was student <laughs> teaching Spanish that's for sure so, um, so I went, so, uh, at Westcon, Becky came up to me and, uh, you know, noticed that I played guitar and, and, you know, asked me, asked me to play for her. So I said, all right. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And were you both into the same kind of music starting off? Did you have the same vision of the sounds you wanted? Um, well, for, um, we, we are into the same kind of music, so that was kind of like, you know, easy to find the sound. Like, I know Rob's into a lot of thrash metal, uh, so am I. I'm, all, I'm into a lot of, like, uh, 80s bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, when I heard the tunes, when I heard the tunes at first, you know, it was, it was something that... Um, I said to myself, you know, we could we could work with it. We could develop it a little. We could develop it a little more. And I think once we met the current our current producer Nick, I think that was when we really found out what you know exactly how we wanted the sound. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and when we could really bring in some more some more influences from the outside. So I think so. I think that at fir at first we uh, you know Becky kind of had an idea. And then I think Nick, uh, once we met Nick and, you know, the rest, the rest of us kind of um, started to hone in on what we really wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get you. It's like Nick gave you the, the direction with, of how to achieve your idea. Yes. Yeah. So you said you formed in 2019. I take it was before the pandemic. That must have been a really scary time when the pandemic happened for such a new band. Yeah, we like formed like right before the <laughs> pandemic. So uh, I was uh, songwriting and um, yeah, we really, that's why we have no, um, we haven't had the opportunity to play live yet because of that. But we are preparing for shows in the fall. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing pretty much. You know, once the, once the pandemic hit, it was, uh, it was, it was a struggle, but 
you know, but honestly, I think uh, the cool the the cool thing though is that uh, despite despite that, we still had, you know, there was a lot of opportunity. You know, for example, I didn't have to. We neither of us really had to go physically to school. You know, during that period of time, so we had more time at home to to polish things up or to look at things. You know, or time time to kind of you know take a minute and you know uh, uh, practice for a little bit or something like that on our own. So we had a little bit, we had a little bit more free time yeah, during yeah. the pandemic. So that was a little, that actually worked in our favor. In that case, then you probably never faced any time during the pandemic where you felt like giving up or, you know, when the pandemic seemed like it was stretching on for ages, did you ever feel like, what's the point in this? We're probably never going to be able to play gigs or release music. No, uh, we actually, we just uh, kept recording. We used the time to write and record. So that, you know, when we do play live, like we, we actually already recorded our second EP that we oh have God. waiting. So we just got a lot of recording done, a lot of writing done. So. Same pretty much. It was uh, pretty much Becky. Be- uh, how should I say this? Uh, we're, we're kind of part of the train and uh, Becky's pretty much the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we're, we're all riding the train. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what what's your creative process then? If Becky is the conductor, you take charge with all the lyric writing. Well, okay, for me, so I write everything. I write the music and the lyrics. Um, I write it in a music score actually. So I'll write out like all the tab and stuff, and then I send in the like basic drum parts, and I send it to Rob and Eric, and then they add their own spin on it. And when we go to the studio, we change things, and Nick, our producer, will change some things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the only, I'd say the only, the only thing that I alter a little bit is either how it's played on the how it's played on the instrument. Or when it's time for me to have a solo, that's just, that's my turn. So. Yeah, Rob, Rob writes all the solos. <laughs> that's your time to shine, so. Yeah. So um, what has the reception been like to the music you've released so far? It's been great. We're very thankful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of great reception. Great. I love seeing the different, I love see, hearing what everyone's favorite, what everyone's favorite tune is. It's all, it. I, I can never I can never put my finger on which one because it always seems to be it always seems there's always one that seems to be pretty consistent. Mm. And then there's a couple of others that are like, you know, <laughs> everyone's got a different one, but then there's one that's always consistent, I've noticed. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the seasons. Really? The seasons. That seems to be yeah, the most consistent one. <laughs> but uh we got, you know, other people like love you can't wait this time. Um, some people have broken. Yeah, yeah. Here's one for you actually off the wall. Then are you when you're making a song, when you're writing the music and everything, are you do you get a feeling like, yeah, this one is going to be a hit? This is going to resonate with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them I'm like, you know, this one is gonna be stronger. Mm. Even like, you know, sometimes I'll write one and be like, Oh, this is my favorite, and then sometimes, you know, it'll be like, Well, this may not be my favorite, but I think this is gonna do the best. Yeah, I kind of feel, I would I would say the same. Usually after usually after hearing it, that's when I say, "Oh, this one, this one's the one." <laughs> and you know, traditionally, a band builds a following by playing gigs. You know, the meet and greets, face to face, getting your presence out there. How have you approached building a following for the band when you're not able to play gigs? We've been promoting through social media, um, building up our social media, and uh, yeah, we've we've thankfully uh, been able to reach a lot of people and got a great reception. Oh, great! I think also our friends and family too. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> Can't forget about them. No. <laughs> but um, do you find it like you've taken to it like a fish to water, or do you find it kind of tricky? Because I've heard other bands, and even with the podcast, you know, promoting online can be an absolute minefield. It's hard to figure out the algorithms. There's, you know, most times you'll probably miss the mark and then you'll hit one and you're like, how do I replicate that? What did I do with that one that resonated? How do you guys find it? 
Yeah, I find, you know, it can be difficult. I just, you know, take it like a day by day, you know, um, just keep pushing it. And uh, yeah, it just keeps building. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's pretty much, it's pretty much rolling the dice, you know. Sometimes you'll get a seven or an 11 and sometimes you get snake eyes. <laughs> true, true. I suppose with billions of people on the planet, you know, you're going to find your audience. You just have to hold in there and, you know, there's going to be 20, 50, 100,000 people that are your audience. You just have to find them and let the music get to them. Exactly. So have you guys any plans for any gigs in the near future? Yeah, we are planning on doing shows in the fall. Um, we're going to prepare over the summer and get, um, we're going to have a bassist and a second guitarist joining us because of the two guitar parts and <laughs> we need that. Um, and yeah, we'll be doing shows locally. So like Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. I already had a bunch of my pals hit me up and, you know, who are in local bands and say, oh, hey, we need we need somebody for the show or would you guys like to do it? And then we <laughs> it's tough to always telling them, you know, unfortunately, we're in <laughs> not right now, but soon. We'll yeah. let you know when we're, when we're good to go. <laughs> and is there any apprehension or do you guys feel ready? Are you ready to just burst onto the stage and just take the show by storm? Um. Well, the biggest thing is we, like I said, we do need a uh, second guitarist and bassist to join us because <laughs> uh, Rob, I don't, you know, can't play the two separate guitar parts at once. It'd be a bit tricky. <laughs> I, I mean, as much as I, I, as much as I'd love if cloning were were a thing, I could clone myself, and then we could, and then we could, and then it could happen. But or who knows? Maybe I could clone myself three times, and I can also do bass. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe. But unfortunately, that's not ha that's uh, not a thing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I mean, you know, that's I mean, it's pretty much and I feel like this is true for a lot of other bands that are starting out, too. I mean, I know in the other band, I'm in Rorg, finding the personnel to even play your music at all can be really can be really difficult. I mean, right now locally there's only one drummer that we know that can actually play it you know oh, play man. our tunes yeah <laughs> and and with and bass players there's just too few of them so it's like uh, in that band we always we basically it's always the same two guys that are on drums or bass so we so i feel like that i feel hopefully that won't be the same hopefully that won't be the case with with this topica but uh <laughs> You know, it, it it seems to kind of be it seems to kind of be the thing unless you're in a band like Testament or these big guys who they have pretty much every drummer within the scene at their disposal. I mean, Testament has Dave Lombardo now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before they had Gene Hoagland, they had Paul Bostaff, John yeah. Tempesta, <laughs> like, you know, this long line of drummers who have who have who have played for them and other thrash bands from this the san francisco scene so yeah yeah the the likes of them can have their pick but i i really get what you're saying though for a band starting off it can be hard to find the personnel because you know i feel like people naturally gravitate to guitars and their second choice then is drums they're the two coolest instruments you know not as many people go for bass and you know so it can be kind of hard to fill them spots i find but um you guys surely have a plan of what your gigs will be like what can the fans expect when they finally do get to see you live so we will be doing songs from our ep that's out now and the second ep <laughs> that will be released around that time so they can uh expect you know a combination of the two eps mm. yeah mm -hmm. I would say from the, probably from the from the show standpoint, you know, based on what we've done with what we've done with the videos, I can tell you that's probably the same thing that you're going to see on stage as well. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. it sounds like it's going to be a, an epic gig. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, one for you actually. How has it been being in a, a female-led metal band? Do you find it harder than say your male counterparts or is it easier 
Um, well, for me, I mean, I haven't had a lot of trouble with it. So, I mean, it's been good so far. Yeah, yeah. Rob, what about you? I think it's been different for me a little bit because most of the bands that I've been in have been all guys, you know, uh, for one. And for two, I think this is the first band that I've been in that had um, that has like genuine singing. Uh, oh, totally forgot. I was in a, I was also in a horror punk band that was that was female led. Uh-huh. But um, but uh, vocals were more along the lines of they weren't as. They weren't on the line to, uh, in terms, they weren't like singing. They were more like kind of like a Wednesday 13 style mm-hmm. vocals where it's like kind of between singing, but super, super gritty. Right. You know, this yeah. is like, this is like singing, singing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time that I've actually had the, that I've actually been in a band where I have a singer who is g- actually genuinely singing, <laughs> you know, not to say, not to say that the other styles weren't, you know, were, uh, were, uh, we're less in any way. It's just, it's just that this is, this is definitely a much different situation. This is a situation where before, you know, you could play as loud as you wanted, you know, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. This one is, this one is you really, you actually do have to really pay attention, like levels you really have to pay attention to because, you know, when it comes to, when, when it comes to this kind of singing, you can, you know, if you're not careful, you can throw out your voice, you know? So it's very important to be um, to be aware of that, especially you know being in in the band versus being the singer. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Very good point there. And what do you guys hope to achieve? You know, what's the principles of the band? What where do, where would you like to see the band go? I mean, I'm gonna take this band as far as I can go. <laughs> We're just doing what we love. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've pretty much in the, this is just kind of the case with with just about every musical endeavor I've ever done. Uh, for me, it's all about having opportunities to play. You know, it's and it drives me crazy whenever I see like, you know, I go to these pla- I go to these places and I see that there's like there's no community band or there's no you know, there's there's people who play. And then they don't have the opportunity to to share their skills or to to be in a group or anything like that. And it drives me absolutely crazy because I'm sitting here going like, there's so much there there's so much so many there's so much that people have to offer. Mm. And I feel like it's all about just giving them the chance. And uh, and for me for me any opportunity to play is is a good one. Yeah. For yeah. for the most part, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's perfect answer. It's a, the perfect musician's answer, I feel. <laughs> Thank you. So I normally like to uh, touch on, you know, since the podcast is called Concerts That Made Us, I like to get a sense of the concerts that made you guys. Now, I know you haven't played any gigs, but you can use your gigs from past years gone by, if you like. What would you say has been the best experience you've had at a gig? Um, for me, it was when I, with my, uh, with a previous band, we played the Oakdale Theater and, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking, um, in Wallingford, the, uh, uh, Toyota Oakdale Theater in Wallingford. So, yeah, yeah that was a great gig. Yeah, it was at a Beatles festival that was, um, promoted through Live Nation and it was the first time, like, I had, like, my band's name on a T-shirt they were selling and, like, the tickets and stuff, the Live Nation tickets. So. Oh, man. You must have felt like a proper, proper rock star. Yeah, and we were the, like, first band, so it was, uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, in, in my case, so many gigs, so many concerts. Oh, man, I feel like, you know... It's really, it's really hard to, it's really hard to pick because there's, there's just been so many really, really great ones and so many notable ones. Even, you know, if I suppose if I was to say my favorite show that I went to where I, where I wasn't performing, hmm. I would say that would be, I'm going to say when I saw Rush in 2012. Really? That was probably my favorite as a non-performer. Because it was just so, it was just so amazing to see 
guys who are in their 60s and 70s playing like they were my age. Yeah. You know, the fact that they could still play like that when they're almost, <laughs> you know, when they've almost hit their life expectancy, you know, is quite is quite a thing to behold. Yeah. And then as a performer, I would say my favorite show to this day would be when when my band Roar opened for Kitty at uh, at our local venue. It was it was a stacked lineup. We had let's see the the touring bands were Bonded by Blood, Black uh, and Blackguard were the support. And then it was like three of us that were from like the local scene. And at the time we were like, the, this was like the top groups from the local scene. Mm. So the three of us, so it was like, once we started the show, the energy just kept going and going and going. It was like all night long, nonstop. I mean, it was to the point of absolutely insane. I mean, what was it? There was one, I forgot for whose set uh, this was done. I think this might have been Bonded by Bloods, but Mauro, the singer, actually picked me up and like spun me around. And <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was complete and utter insanity oh, from man. the beginning to the end. And it was just really a sight to behold. My friend's band, Mythology, played. They're a, they were a two person black metal band. They covered Transylvanian Hunger by Dark Throne. Everyone lost it. <laughs> then our friends band Necroptic Engorgement played, and they were like the heaviest band in our area at the time. So, you know, that really that really brought up brought everyone out. And I, honestly, it was just so unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. It was the first show where I was actually completely exhausted by the end of it. <laughs> Beyond completely exhausted. I actually had during Kitty's set, I actually had to sit down on the couch for a little bit. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not surprised. That actually sounds, I'm not surprised that's your best gig. You know, it sounds like that'll be in your memory for years. It's going to take one hell of a gig to top that. Oh yeah. I mean, I'd say the second second place is when we is when we opened for Warbringer and Enforcer, mainly for two reasons. Because of the promo that we did for it, I actually got a cameo of Gary Holt uh, oh, to, do a, to do a promo for our show. So that was one. <laughs> so so that was part of it, and the other part of it was the fact that at the very our very last song was a cover was a Judas Priest Painkiller that we covered. Ah, oh, so and of course the audience absolutely loved it. Mm, so I'm... everyone had a good time. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. And not to get too negative, but we'll flip it around. Is there a gig or an experience you would say was the worst you've had? And how did you deal with it? Um, for me, um, it's hard like to say. I mean, I've had like some great ones. Some they're, eh, you know. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I'm not sure if there's like one that I could pinpoint as the worst, you know. Mm. Um, but there's when I there are like gigs that aren't you know as good. I just. You know, um, just take it and just, you know, look forward to the next opportunity. I think regardless, even if the gig isn't going bad, you still kind of put your all into it and make sure the fans are having a good time, I suppose. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I would say in my case, there was, um, oh my gosh, there were, th I would say there were three three that were I, I call them bum gigs if you will that just like just completely bombed hmm. and i would say i would say of the three i mean i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep one to myself mainly because that one wasn't my fault but i feel just embarrassed even talking about it because of how you know because of how absolutely catastrophic and dramatic it all was hmm. so i'm just gonna leave that one alone okay. but i'll go with one that was my fault <laughs> so right, right. this one this one um so i uh so my band uh so my other band we'd formed at um at our university and uh what i wanted to i always wanted to play there you know i always wanted to play you know, at our university, because that's where we formed. And that's just part that I feel like that's part of the just the principle, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I got, you know, I got in touch with the um, uh, there was this, you know, whoever runs the underground, they're called the undergrounds is the name of the what, what it's called that program at that university. 
And uh, he told us, I mean, at least what I thought was really cool was that he, you know, he not only did the guy pay us, he also got us a hotel room and he uh -huh. also got us, he also got us food, you know, <laughs> so he treated, he treated us like alumni should be treated. Yeah. You yeah, know, gotcha. so that's, that's the good news. The bad news is that I did not realize that that the underground shows were exclusively for people who had university IDs. Right. So that meant what I thought, I thought I could get all the locals from, from Binghamton <laughs> who knew us. I thought I could get all of them to come to the show. And nope, we only got the students. And the other oh. thing is those students didn't even know who we were. <laughs> oh, so it's oh. like everything that I had expected and I had hoped for just didn't happen oh. and so that was a bum thing but at, at the end of the day i mean it was really nice to at least play the stage where we started yeah because that really was where we started so um it was nice to do that again and it was nice to get it was nice to get the free food and it was <laughs> nice to kind of be in a, a familiar setting that we that was that's part of our history so we kind of we chalked that one up as a uh uh, a bucket list if you will <laughs> kind of things to do before you die yeah so at least we at least we did it you know what i mean true true and you know at the basic level it's experience it's still a gig even if it didn't go well it's still a gig absolutely so before we move on to the last couple of questions what's the future plans for the rest of 2022 can you tell us about the next ep Mm-hmm. Yep. So we will be releasing another EP and it, we'll be releasing two singles before the whole EP is released. We also um we covered an Alice in Change song, then Bones, which we'll be releasing soon. Oh man, I can't wait for that. Um we have a video for it of us recording the owl release. Um and yeah, and touring, doing shows, local shows. Brilliant, brilliant. Rob, anything to add in? Uh, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> pretty much the same thing. I'm, I am really excited about that cover, though. I've always had a soft spot for playing covers, I guess, but I, but that's probably because of the fact that you know, when you're a classical musician, that's kind of all you do, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're always playing other people's music. Yeah. But, um, so it's just kind of part of the part of the training, I guess. And, uh, but. Then Bones kind of has a, has a particular, I have a particular soft spot for it because not only did I play God knows how many times in Guitar Hero 2 as a kid, but uh, I remember, uh, I didn't find this out until much later though. I went, I was playing Doom 2 and I got to this level called Bye Bye American Pie and all of a sudden I'm like, is that Them Bones by Alice in Chains? How did they, did they manage, did they really manage to get past the copyright? To... <laughs> so that was, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm similar to yourself. I absolutely love that song. I seriously can't wait to hear the cover. What made you decide on that song out of the many thousands of songs out there? Well, that one, that was actually Rob's idea. Uh, I was thinking. I was thinking, and I just saw it because it was a there was a Jerry Cantrell signature guitar in the studio, and I was like, "Oh, that that looks neat to play," <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll move on to the last couple of questions. If there was a performer or artist from history you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Um, for me. It would be Rush, because unlike Rob, I never had the opportunity to see Rush. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I can't see them now. So I just, you know, like, it's funny because I knew them before, like when they were doing their last uh, tour. But I didn't really like, like, I knew they're like, you know, popular songs and stuff. But I didn't really get into all their music until afterwards and then i was like oh well <laughs> now i love them they're one of my favorite bands and it's like i will not have that opportunity yeah i hate when that happens but like rob when you were saying you've seen them isn't it so fulfilling when you see these legacy bands that can actually still hold it together at that age yep and it was the same case with uh, black sabbath even that oh. was another 
big shock to me. I was yeah, like, I saw them. So. Really? <laughs> yeah, I saw Black Sabbath. At least, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, fact that Tony are... Iommi can still hold it down is absolutely insane. And yeah. he's missing two fingers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez, I, you know, he's he's probably the best there is, and. The best there is with two fingers anyway. But I'm yeah. seriously jealous of you guys. They're on my bucket list, the ultimate bucket list. I'd love to see them once. Well, rumor has it I hear they're I hear they're working on they're working on touring again at some point. I hear they're back in the studio again. I have the feeling I have the feeling music is one of those fields kind of like kind of like pro wrestling. It's like you never say never. No. You know? <laughs> no, no. And which band would you pick to see in concert for one night only? Oh my goodness. Oh, this one hit me like a ton of bricks back in 2000. I think it was 2010. We lost them. Yeah. Uh, when Peter Steele died in 2010, I had like just gotten into typo negative. I felt a huge connection to the music and everything at the time. And I would absolutely just oh my gosh i really 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 would want to would want to see them one last time all together because the other members are still alive yeah you know it's only peter that's missing but without peter you have there is no typo negative so so i would have loved to watch them one last time and perhaps even to put out one more record after dead again you know yeah yeah i think it's kind of worse when it's a band that was around and was touring within your lifetime you know, I hear a lot of people pick these bands, you know, from 70s or say people like Jimi Hendrix, where there's no possible way you would have ever got to see them. You know, he's dead for like 50 something years. But when it's a band that was actually, you know, you can actually remember them being on tour. I think it's worse when you've missed out on that. Oh, totally. I remember the, the, the I wish I'd gone to the Jägermeister tour in 2007. You know, I wish I'd gone to that. And plus, the fun thing, the fun thing about it too, at least though, is that every so often I get to hear people who went to that, to went, who went to that tour, or who, or who even met Peter, you know, even from Nick, who, who toured with them. Uh, Nick was telling me all about, you know, what, like he has a, he has a Peter Steele story. You know, all <laughs> these people, all these people that I know who have seen them, they all have a story about him, and it's always like, it's always such a joy to hear what kind of what kind of story it is i mean when i was in that horror punk band our drummer was the original singer for a band called the rejects which eventually became the murder dolls oh so, man <laughs> so uh so dizzy would tell me uh like his peter story from wrote from the roadrunner records days and oh my gosh it's <laughs> it's just i'm sitting here going gosh what what it would have been like just to even chill with the guy would have yeah. been gosh it would it would have been something really fun. Yeah. yeah, he he sounded like a really really fun guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Perfect segue to the next question. Actually, if there was an artist or band or performer from history that you had to spend twenty four hours locked in a room with, who would it be? Hmm, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, you know, maybe uh, I would say uh, Pat Benatar. I know I brought her up before, but I did meet her and her husband. And she's they're very nice. Um, and uh, you know, I look up to her as a female singer. Yeah, yeah. What would you hope to learn in the twenty-four hours? Wow. <sighs> <laughs> um. Gosh, um just um, you know, talk about uh, like you know, um, it's a hard question. <laughs> I suppose you could, uh, you could music, kind of, you know, yeah, music, yeah. You could ask her how she built such a a long successful career. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, and Rob yourself. Oh my, it's a it's a toss up. It's either Ozzy Osbourne or Tony Iommi, and one one of the two. And honestly, in either case, I probably wouldn't say anything because <laughs> I would probably say I would probably ask them. I would sit there and be like, "Just tell me the stories of old." 
Just tell me the stories. Tell me everything that 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 happened way back in the day. Tell me every every little detail, every tour, everything that happened on a tour, everything that happened when you were recording a song, every, mm-hmm. you know, just all the stories. Because it's one of those things where I remember like watching of like just an interview of uh, Ozzy, like when he was listening to the tapes of uh, of Randy Rhodes playing, uh, just kind of fooling around, even though the song was over. Mm. Like Randy's still shredding. Like, and I'm like, does this guy ever know when to stop? Like, he just keeps <laughs> going. Like, how does this guy keep going? You know, like, yeah. And Ozzy's just sitting there completely bewildered. Like, God Almighty! And I could just, I could listen for hours just just to hear them talk about, you know, about their lives and their and just the their stories and and everything you know about yeah. about what about how they went about their mu- their music it's just that's got to be that's always what i seem to be what i think to be one of the best parts i think i kind of almost wish we had an inside the actor's studio but for musicians yeah actually that would that would be heaven that actually Complete- would be complete with what is your favorite curse word (laughs) because it's got to have it yeah yeah (laughs) but those two i feel like are one of the few where 24 hours probably isn't enough you know you'd keep going back for more oh totally i i could like i said if 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 Tony Iommi was running a clinic in my town or something like that i'd be the first to sign up yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I would pray and I would pray that literally nobody would ask any questions until the very end and there'd be just just him talking the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that'd be ideal. Ideal. So is there a song that would appear on the soundtrack to your lives? Um maybe uh for me, um Hmm, that's that's another hard question. Um, I uh, I Iron Maiden's my favorite band. I love Iron Maiden. Um, so uh, hmm, maybe uh, Light of Icarus, <laughs> the song that I you know I uh, one of the a few songs that when I was like really young, like I used to listen to, and I just love that song. It's very special to me. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Good choice. It's a great song. Man, oh boy. It's another toss-up for me, but at least it comes from the same album. Okay. So for me, like, you know, <clears throat> I always said that my Desert Island album was the Boston self-titled record. Okay. So and I would go with either rock and roll band or peace of mind. Right, right. So why, either, why so? either one of those tunes, I mean, they both sound kind of similar anyway. But, you know, for me, it's like with rock and roll band, I mean, it tells pretty much the story of what it's like to be in a band, you know, (laughs) and the whole from beginning to end, all of it true. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Peace of Mind is just a song that, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like I could be in such a rut. And if that comes on the radio, you'll just see my eyes light up immediately. All right, right. It immediately just takes me out of bad land and puts me in happy land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's exactly what music should do. Yeah. So the final one, is there something I should have asked you guys? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. uh, I would have said the Desert Island album uh, question. Okay, okay. You already answered that, so. <laughs> um, listen, guys, thanks a million for coming on. I, it was a real pleasure chatting with you, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank you for Absolutely. having us. Absolutely, likewise. Thank you for having us.
love music, music news, and guest interviews with artists from all around the world across many different genres, my name's Nolan and I love music. In fact, I love music so much I created a podcast entirely dedicated to it called Every Podcast I Love is Dead. Every week is a brand new episode where I interview musicians, artists, podcasters, radio hosts, and so much more. New episodes are available every Thursday on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and you can check us out on social media and at everypodcastiloveisdead.com. Hope you can join me. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I for one surely did. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Your five-star review will be read out on the show. And don't forget, you can now rate us on Spotify. You can find and follow us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. So until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.